What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by Middleton Technologies Maximo. I'm your host, SJ, and it's time to get it on. Happy to have uh, Mike Herbie here today. Uh, that he is with New Jobs America, and uh, Mike, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. So a little bit of background, even like you just gave me on New Jobs America, because I know you're in Massachusetts. Yes. Um. So a lot of the people I've had on are other than Kim. I think they've all been in California dealing with AB five and that kind of stuff. So um, Kim has been very helpful in the AB5 stuff as well, but she's also had her own ton of stuff she's brought to the podcast on New Jersey alone. Yes. So we all are very familiar with what's going on in, New, in, uh, in Massachusetts because it very uh, directly will affect the gig economy too. I mean, yes. already they're pulling out, you know, both sides are already starting to waste the money just like they did before. Um. Because I consider all that wasted money, not just the the Prop 22 money, but the money that the states spent and all of it. It was just all, you know. And then to watch people that I I very much not only have enjoyed speaking with, but have become friends with, like Gail Gordon. Yes. Watch her, you know, her nonprofit just be destroyed. Yes. Over a law where she's been, you know, she's carrying on a musical style that probably without her... I hate to say might die. I'm, I am sure that your suspicion is correct. Uh, um, music in general, performing, performing music is going to be crushed by this. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, my background is, you know, I'm, I'm the son of three generations of professional performing musicians and they all chose it. They all did very well at it. You know, famous music. Rubies were famous musical family in Cleveland. So, I've seen this thing up at close and personal since before I can remember. So, and Gail's, yeah. Gail's part of that, you know. And with Gail though, there's even a there's even a bigger little catch that bothers me, which is she's a um, 501c3 nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So, even a nonprofit who does a very very unique niche of opera that was passed down from uh from the camps during world war two. Yes. And this music will die. I mean, even that niche and a nonprofit still got shut down by AB five. This, this law. Yes. That, that law is unconstitutional, uh, unnecessary and deliberately harsh. So let's, I've, I've never, I mean, we've talked around it before with guests I've had on, but I've never had one on who straight up said it's unconstitutional. Can we, can we talk about that a little bit? You bet. Absolutely. Uh, the, um, 
the choice of who you work for is an extremely personal and uh, important one. It, it basically is how you're going to support yourself. Uh, the founders of this country never imagined that someone, party A, would try to keep party B from living the way they, they want to live as far as work goes. There was a, an agrarian subsistence farming uh, world in, in the 1760s and 70s. And everybody worked for themselves. That it was unimaginable that 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 you not work for yourself. Right. So what's happened is that we have the Constitution. What's happened is that in um, 1938, the um, Roosevelt administration threatened to pack the Supreme Court and do things his way, uh, and they uh, submitted the Fair Labor Standards Act to um, uh, to Congress and. The when it came time to go to court, people went to court and said the Fair Labor Standards Act is not the Fair Labor Standards Act. It 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 basically sets up a union cartel. Nothing against unions. I was born a two union household. Uh, when you when you do when you separate out, decide what the prices are going to be, decide who can participate. You've got an unconstitutional provision. But the Supreme Court was af- afraid of getting packed, so they passed it. And it's for 84 years, it's been the law of the land. But that isn't, doesn't mean it's in any way legitimate to tell someone who you're going to sell your services to, especially now that it's less of a manufacturing economy and it's predominantly a service ma- economy. Services speaking, you, right. you, you can't get instructions, you can't provide instructions, you can't give advice or per- do an artistic performance. It's all speech. I mean, even woodworking, wood has a language. So, uh, but getting right back to practicality, there is a, an ABC test in the Fair Labor Standards Act. It was made stronger in Massachusetts, and in 2004, it was made stronger yet on Marty Walsh's watch when he was a, a co chair of a uh, government committee, you know, legislative committee, making it a adjustment to the law. And in a midnight deal, somebody put the wrong version of the bill under Governor Romney's signature, and he signed it without his staff looking at it. And California copied that legislation uh, 15 years later. That was 2004, 2019. Uh, Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez said, oh, there's our piece. The unions knew what to tell her. And she put she put that in and even made it worse because she said it wasn't didn't apply to individuals, it applies to persons, which means that it looked right through uh the corporation and, and you know corporate protection and, and went right back to the individual. So they've got the worst of all possible worlds. The unions said we're we're on a roll and uh, they put it into the PRO Act, and now we're taking this law with no legitimacy in its background. Yes, it's law, but it, it's not legitimate, and we're making it the law of the land and threatening to make it worse. So we threaten all 60 million self-employed, which includes all of your rideshare people and all yeah. of, you know, the gig economy people. They're all going to be in the same boat, which is, you know, you're all going to be employees of great big corporations, and the unions are going to you know, mediate for you on your behalf, whether you like it or not. 
Yeah. In fact, you sent me a stat of for even for the rideshare, you must have looked this up, but you said, you know, out of the first of all, people, 60 million, let's remember that 60 million people in this country are independent contractors, freelancers, self-employed, whatever, whatever way you want to talk about it. But you sent me a stat of including the 600,000 who do passenger car driving. I think that that's just low because of the pandemic, because that's usually much higher. I would Um, agree. Agree completely. I'll give you. I'll give you a specific example. Dort. We know for certain because I work with a company called Para, where we do transparency on DoorDash. Yep. Um, And so, DoorDash alone has 1.4 million U.S. active dashers. Oh, fantastic! Didn't know that. Thank you. So, I mean, that stat alone would tell me that there's got to be around 2.5 million rideshare drivers. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, maybe that's, I don't, I don't know where this is. It must just be coming from a pandemic point with that number, 600,000, because that's a Bureau of Labor Statistics, probably a 2019 number. Okay. Well, well, that wouldn't be pandemic then, huh? No, um, 600,000, the pandemic uh, encouraged a lot of this. People had to get other jobs because they couldn't go to work. Right. But right, the day the, the CARES Act passed, rideshare just went nobody was on it because they couldn't figure out how they were. I mean, even yeah. it took them a month to move to, okay, we'll kind of go and let people, you won't be able to sit up front and we'll try and find these partitions in case people sneeze things that weren't going to help anyway, you know? So it's like, right. you know, it's just like all these dumb ideas were coming out, but it was like, if, if you're not a hundred percent familiar with this, like the, I'll tell you this before the pandemic happened in the cares act, I knew friends who were doing delivery platforms like Uber Eats and these, they couldn't make half of a minimum wage per hour doing those alone. I mean, they just, there was no business. There was never good pay and rideshare still had been, had taken its beating, but there was still money to be made. The day the cares act happened, that flip flopped in a one second. It went from rideshare was the better to rideshare had zero business. So it's not even in the game. And the, food delivery platforms skyrocketed because everybody needed food delivered. Yes. Immediately. So these people became like first responders. And in fact, the first couple months of the pandemic, people were getting $100 tip cash tips to deliver McDonald's. <laughs> you know, it's pretty insane. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a- but it still hasn't rebalanced in my in my take on it. It still hasn't like we, I think that we'll see delivery go down some and the rideshare come back up. But regardless, I mean, if we have 1.4 million dashers actively, now I know a lot of them only work 10, 15 hours a week. However, there's still 1.4 million people in this country dashing. Right. Why, and, why should, whether they work full time or part time or sometimes or even one time, why should any of that matter to anybody but them? and the people they work with. Exactly. I'm just trying to give a stat of how many people are really out there doing this. So first of all, 60 million self-employed and all that. But, you know, I I think we're in the multi-millions for even gig app workers. I wouldn't even take one breath to to disagree with that. Everything (laughs) about this has been, it always turns out bigger. So, you know, when I've had previous guests on, you know, I've talked to them about like, you know, why... And I, I'll, I won't get too far into this part of it because I've talked about it before. But why did I, I feel like I have to ask you this? Why? Why do you feel that California initially? Because it was initially. I remember Newsom and uh, 
and Lorena Gonzalez, as you were speaking about talking about this, even Californians didn't Californians didn't know this was going to become a law. Most of them were like, "What's AB five? Even after they passed it, but it ha- it wasn't January twenty twenty yet. It wasn't in effect, but they didn't know about what it really was or what's going on. What is your take on the fact that initially this was supposed to come after the gig economy, the gig app platforms, and then they they end up, I mean, paying for it other than other people that got carve outs like anesthesiologists, doctors, dentists, all that kind of stuff. But they got their carve outs, but the gig economy didn't. So it fought with Prop 22, spent all this money. California spent money fighting it. And then in the end, you know, that I mean, I know that it's up in the air right now on its exact status, but in the end, they were they were carved out. And yet a whole net was cast on all these others who should have never even been in the net. Right. Uh, the these these things the, the events came in waves you know reactions to reactions and 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 if you break it apart it's a little easier for I'm three thousand miles away and and I literally don't know have never met in person any of the people that I've been working with for two and a half years yeah. literally on an hour by hour basis um, there was considerable debate outside California on what this law was going to do. And at the end of August in 2019, with the law not on the books, the Wall Street Journal came up with an angry, frustrated editorial, quite long on its editorial page, and said, this is a disaster in the making. And I have I have a copy. I can get it to you. I looked at that, and I said, I'm from Massachusetts. We've seen the we've seen the law. We've seen what the state had to do to protect people as a as a, a, a unfortunate result. And this is an invitation to me to write about the Massachusetts experience with the ABC test. So I wrote a letter to the journal. I I had you know never had one published before. I thought oh, you got to do it you know, and they printed it two weeks later. And it was the only reply to, uh, to this long editorial. You know that all our opponents on the other side also wrote, but this is the one they printed. And I said, basically, this law damages everyone it touches, and that is not limited to self-employed or their buyers. Lorena Gonzalez is no longer in the legislature. Uh, it, it, you can, you, uh, you know, there's a little train of, of activities that have, befallen people who who get us who associate with this bill and push it uh, gail gordon you know the people the people you know and have interviewed every one of those people has been hurt many of them catastrophically and and uh, irreparably you can't put some of these things back together because they're pools no. of talent so the warning was out there then the legislator passed legislator legislature passed it in the, and I think it was October, it went into a law, it went into effect, and wham, all of a sudden the employment attorneys started telling people, you don't, you don't want to have any independent contractors on your, on your pay books, no matter how you pay them, get rid of them. So out started the pink slip. Sorry, we're no longer working with you. They work, you know, their their council had other workarounds, but it didn't involve the people that AB5 hit. Then in reaction, smart guys with good market cap and 
and plenty of investor capital like Uber and the others said this thing is is gonna it's gonna kill us one way or another. So they it, that was a, a separate the, uh, the they put Prop Twenty Two out there, and everybody got on board one side or the other, and it was I think fifty nine to forty one something. They voted the public as customers voted for to have rideshare and and DoorDash. Uh, they've been through the the pandemic, you know. They were going through it in 2020, and so they said, "No way!" They didn't believe they didn't believe anything except they wanted their Uber. I mean, even Mothers Against Drunk Driving said this really suppresses having a rideshare suppresses drunk driving deaths because that you can have fine time at the at a bar, call Uber, and find your way home safely without driving a car to do it. So then. People took the the other side took Prop Twenty Two to court and and I've lost it in the weeds at that point. I'm not sure what's happened. Well, it's still I think it's still in a constitutional challenge, right? I know this. Go ahead. For, I can't really remember what exactly it was. To me, I was blown away, and I've asked several times to those to the ladies that you're speaking of and that we're talking about. Um, I've asked them how how on earth did so many California attorneys, not to mention the attorneys that you know, the hundreds of thousands that Uber and Lyft and Grubhub and Instacart and all these platforms have, how did they all overlook the fact that, oops, this violates the constitution? The, um, it's very expensive to, to tell your client, if you're an attorney, well, you're going to have to fight for your rights by going to court. So I'm not sure they actually look to see if it's constitutional or not. Maybe some people did, but they said, you've got to, basically obey it. You know, a constitutional challenge is hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. And so what dry cleaners or even a dry cleaning association is going to not, you know, they're going to say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll challenge the constitution. You know, I mean, well, but Uber and Lyft spent 200 Uber, Lyft, Instacart and DoorDash spent 208 million to fight for prop 22. Right, but so they, obviously they can throw, even though they don't make any yeah. money, never have for yes. 12, right. 13 it's years. Money. It's investor money. <laughs> right? You know, right. But nonetheless, they were able to raise that money and say, hey, we are going to yeah. fight this. Right. And then it passed and they said, okay, we'll give you that vote. It passed. And then it's still being challenged. Well, it's like it's almost like that sore loser effect. And I know there's more to it, but that's how I take it. It's like, okay, we'll get it on the November ballot. We'll all see how everybody feels. Well, one, it passed by 3 million votes. So yes. it clearly passed even to people not affected by it who were like, no, you're not. Right. This is taking away, clearly is taking away people's rights. No, um, I, I don't, that was not a constitutional challenge. Your, your chances, the, the money, you have to look at the money that it costs versus your likelihood of outcome. Right. Your likelihood of outcome of going all the way through the, the you know, the uh, uh, appellate courts and getting to a Supreme Court and winning are very slim. Lots of lawsuits, very few victories. Sure. Sure. So you wouldn't spend $200 million on that. If you're going to spend $200 million, go straight to the public and get an up or down vote. You can monitor the whole thing by polls. You can adjust on an hourly basis what you say, and you have a much better chance of winning. But you have to go at it with money. So it's a like the ASJA, you're familiar with the American Society of Journalists and Authors. They've challenged on 
uh, First Amendment grounds, which I think is a wonderful lawsuit. And I think could be the, you know, the, the answer to most people's prayer is here's a, here's a short circuit. You know, I have no idea. Much of this is done pro bono by the, uh, uh, the nonprofits that focus on litigation. Bless them. You know, they doing a fantastic job. The, uh, the, 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 the good news for freelancers is if this is discussed by the Supreme Court in its chambers and, and nobody squeals, mm-hmm. somebody is going to say, well, these guys have a, have a black letter law case that they're being restricted. So this is going to pass. And, and the, some guy two robes down will say, how are you going to limit it to the authors? When the videographers tell stories and comedians on stage tell stories and the opera singers tell stories. Now, how do you limit? You know, and, and the answer is you can't. And in that answer in the Supreme Court comes a lot of power that beats the, uh, all the political campaigning and the running for office and the props 22, wherever they are, it beats all that because the Supreme Court one day, Steve, the Supreme Court's going to say this whole thing is unconstitutional because being in a service business is a function of language and speech. Yes. And honestly, I've been telling, I told a lot of people this last year, because of my conversations with so many people out in California and Kim and stuff that people weren't really that aware how close prop 22 or the pro act on the national level really was. I mean, again, it was like, it was like AB five, but it was on the national scale. I was telling people and they're like, I don't know what the pro act is. I'm like, it's a, well, it's about to ruin everybody's lives. So right. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I was just, it was, it was shocking. It's always shocking to me, you know, like, first of all, when these type of, like such blanket coverage ideas that are just going to be done so quickly without investigation, testing, all this kind of stuff happen. But I was like, how do people not know about this? Americans are not used culturally. They're not, they're not familiar with having to watch every single thing their governments do. And they are learning it to their unhappiness this year, last year, the year before that you can't trust these guys um, any any outside your site, even when they're in your site, you, you can't trust them because look at the damage that they're doing. I I lament privately. Which by, by the way, not to interrupt you, but by the way, this is not a political show or a political statement. This Absolutely. is we're just sim- we're just simply talking about the rights of independent contractors and some things that have happened that are right happening behind closed doors to take away all of your rights in this respect. I, I couldn't agree more. I am. We work. I work with both parties. Uh, they're all. They're each different uh, to work with. You just. You know. We all have the same interests. Every freelancer, every self-employed person, every gig worker has the same business model. We are all uniform. It's the number of hours you work and how much you can get per hour, and yeah. everything is a becomes more detailed there. So we all understand each other. We all understand how to do it. And we accept the risk. The, um, the Congress momentarily has a fever for government control and a th- more authoritarian uh, uh, f- 
forms of, of legislation and it's indulging itself because there there is no adult to say, nope, this is going to hurt us. You know, everybody, they go behind closed doors. They put a 5,000 page bill through and they go, here we go. We got paid to do that. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to change uh, and it's going to change one way or another. And, and we're, I'm happy to be part of this. I'm, I'm a tiny little, you know, spec, but you do your thing. I, do, I try and do the same, but I, I just don't overload my channel. I try and make sure my channel has a bunch of different content, but I always try and bring this in once in a while so that people get reminded. You know, we do have a comment here. We, there's been a few, but there's this one I think is worth putting up. This is a, a person I know. Um, I think that's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, there's quite a bit of luggage right in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we live in a command economy. That's not what we want to live in. And a lot of 2022, uh, 2023, 2024 is going to be about people expressing that. Uh, they don't want they don't want people pushing them around. They're Americans. Uh, yeah. And you don't need any more anything more granular than that to get a feel for it. So, and and I'll say this, Bud Soda, you, you, I saw that you missed the start of this before that comment. He, Mike, started off by saying he's not against. So, unlike a lot of my guests, he's not against the unions. But I think he, I, I didn't ask you if it's somewhat along the way I view it. There's a time and a place for unions, and it's only in specific. I'm, I grew up in Michigan, so I'm. I had a lot of my family was in auto, and a lot of them were in the auto unions. Mm-hmm. That was different. This is a different time, a different world. Everything's done online. I mean, you uh, these Instacart strikes that do nothing. You know, a thousand people right. don't go on a platform that has 1.2 million per day. And right. they, you know, I, I just, it, it just drives me nuts. I think that um, I, I'm glad that you're on the side of that because we've talked about, you know, like police, fire. The teachers union is corrupt, but it's needed or it's been needed many times through time. There are unions that are needed, but not everywhere. And I think that, you know, we'll we'll go down your points here, too. But I think that you would even mention something about that. Um, but we'll get to it, I guess, as we go. But um, so I asked you what the what the best top topics for you, because a lot of my a lot of the people in here right now and a lot of my uh, viewers and listeners are on the East Coast. And I usually do things with people regarding AB5 in California. But moving beyond that, you said the most important thing um, that you've been working on is new jobs. Uh, be my own boss. That's correct. Well, the, I, wanna, I will. I will. Later, I will come back to your your point about of your union background in Michigan, mine is in Cleveland, and will I want to support what you said about not having a no axe to grind against unions as in general. Okay. Um, the uh, the most important thing we're working on right now is is um, leg- federal legislation, which we have called "Be My Own Boss," which is the phrase eventually that everyone who goes out on their own, says, like, I am just not going to do this. I don't mind a customer or a patient or a client or whatever, but I'm just not going to have a boss. They say, I want to be my own boss, and they know that. So they pick up on this. We're trying to fix a problem, again, that began with the Fair Labor Standards Act when the government said we, the government, and our designated people that support us will decide what your classification is 
as far as being self-employed or an employee. And they took it upon themselves to declare a one-way choice. You can see it in Massachusetts legislation and in California. It says all service workers, in my words, are assumed to be employees unless, and then they get, so there's that hard unless. You have to fight your way out of something that is your choice. Can you imagine what marriage and divorce would look like if we had the same, you know, all, all persons are what? Declared married, declared single, unless you prove what? And this is, it's just nuts. It'd be like what common law marriage after a day or something. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and subject to some panel, you know, in your capital city as to whether you're married or not. Now, forget yeah. it. They, they will yeah. never guess. The, the person who knows their wishes and who ought to be able to express it is the individual. That's who does the classification. So we, we, when we wrote it, we said, what do people need? And the first thing is they need a toggle. They need a switch where they can go, uh, I am self-employed. Now, I may not be self-employed exclusively because I may work for the man during the days and then at night, weekends, whatever, I want to be a marketing ace or a designer or drive or whatever. So somebody has to make the choice. And there is no, in this country, with education and knowledge and our incredible networking, individuals should make that choice. And so we put up a toggle said, I am willing to take the rights and responsibilities of self-employment. Bingo. That's your, that you make your choice. You can do other things. You can, you, you know, we can talk about those, but you have the choice to work as self-employed. Second thing, how does anyone know? And they need a token that they can give their customers, their patients, their, you know, clients, whatever. And that is a date that they got, they, they filed this you know, application for self-employment number from the U.S. government. And we chose probably, may not wisely, but we chose the Department of Labor because the Fair Labor Standards Act makes all the decisions about that as is the foremost legislation. So we said you have to get out of the coverage by the Fair Labor Standards Act in order to make this change. Any lawyer who's studied it, employment law will tell you, yeah, if you don't change the Fair Labor Standards Act, you, you still got it. It's still there untouched. So that was the first thing we did is change the, make a proposal to the definitions language uh, you, and, and to the exemption language. The way it worked is that you, 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 uh, every single freelancer is both an employer and an employee. So the employer cat part can't be subjected to the Fair Labor Standards Act because it's about employees. So you have to take those out with the definition. It's very simple. It's short. You just say it doesn't include people who've signed up to be self-employed. Yep. Then you take that remaining half of the person that is an employee hopefully of themselves, and you say they're exempted because how can the government tell you what, you you know, your left pocket pays your right pocket? I mean, that's nuts. You're not going to get into speciousness. So they're out of coverage. And then the question is, what did, what, 
benefits do they get? And the example is there are, for instance, 28 different laws that define employer-employee. You have to you have to get out from underneath those. That's voluminous. Nobody wants to look at it. But you get a you get a token, you get a toggle, and you get the name. Be my own boss. Yes, that's what I want. So yeah. that's that's what we've provided. When you're talking about the 28 different laws, are you talking about the um, um, the right to work states? No, I'm talking about all the different, like the coal miners. I've got a list here someplace. They, they're uh, ERISA, uh, Social Security, Black Lung, uh, wage and okay. benefits. Wage and uh, hours. Um, uh, the DOL has a defini- other definitions of its own. These are actual laws. The uh, there are twenty eight of them, as I said, that refer to employer employee. So, I guess while we're there too, like you know, I know that in the mix was the Dynamex decision out in California pre AB five, but why? I, I I feel like I'm going to say the wrong one. Was it the Borella? Is it the Borella that was in place before ABC, or was it the other IRS standard test that or was there? There was one around before one. Borello, yes, you can get lost in this, but Borello was the law of California for many years, and apparently wasn't much of a problem. California has an enormous independent, self-employed. Yes, uh, I mean, you, when you look at the. Uh, like defense industry, entertainment industry, music, software. I mean, these are enormous industries built entirely on project work as they should. That's how you do these things. Um, I mean, right, like I, I did a thing on interpreters specifically. Interpreters yeah. are trained to be interpreters and none of them are employees anywhere, almost. Right. <laughs> like two <I> percent. Mean, <laughs> But that's but that's fine because they yeah. they, learn how, they learn how to make a living and they're, yeah. not, they're not dependent on anyone else and they pay their taxes and they they overpay their taxes yeah yeah make make it clear we got to make that clear that that every uh, self employed individual eventually hears from his or her accountant look don't chisel on your taxes it lose it loses you time if you get an audit you're going to spend a ton of time doing something you shouldn't even be doing. Just pay the taxes. It's way cheaper than the penalty of trying to defend yourself from doing something you did. Yep. The um, anyway, what happened was the, the, the Dynamex decision is a put up job. Transient employees applied to Dynamex, got hired, came up with a grievance went to the labor regulation or did whatever they did. And then soon after it got into the system, they disappeared off the job. Those that's the behavior that salts express. They had no previous connection. They worked for a short amount of time. They did something that was turned into a something much bigger and vanished. And I don't know whether they're, you know, it just smells of a union salt. They They were put there for a reason. And then Lorena Gonzalez followed up and said, well, we, the judiciary said that the legislature has to write a bill, so we have to conform to it, which is absolutely a baseless statement. Let's put it that way. The legislature doesn't have to do anything. The courts tell it to. I, I have a, you know, I mean, I'm, 
it took me a minute to even understand why Lorena Gonzalez was in the seat she was in. Because yeah. clearly she was a non, she did not understand. Ever. This was the union's targeting her almost like let's use Lorena as our vessel. Yeah. But yeah. I don't, I honestly believe she knew nothing almost, like not nothing, but she really, this wasn't like her life blood. She was bleeding this to make this happen. They came, I think they came to her. She saw a chance to rise up. I know she wanted that AG position in California. Um, but that was unrealistic. She was a teamster before she was, she was a teamster attorney, but you know, I mean, yeah, but I mean, they literally just picked her out of the crop and said, Hey, we'll move you up the ladder kind of thing. That's how I view it is like, right. she, this was all just for her self benefit. It wasn't she, like she was the expert on the. Right. She, you, the, the law is terribly written every, uh, you know, you, you look online at employment council, they're nonpartisan. They're all parties. They look at this and they they'll tell you how bad this um, <laughs> comment. <laughs> I got it. Uh, they'll tell you how bad this law, badly written this law is, and it's just it's just a mess as legislation. So that to me is a is sloppy draftsmanship that should never happen. There's no excuse for it, even from the other side, uh, yeah, or from our side. No, no, you know. Anyway, no perspective, not sides. Yeah. So the the be my own boss legislation that's is that your main undertaking right now is that like your that's your focus that's, I, mean, I know you're I, we're going to go through the other things i know you're focused right. on a few things but that is that's an important tool with which to organize freelancers and the supportive legislators is is it gives you something to be for whether you know you can't eternally fight bad ideas. Massachusetts is a good example of that. You can't t- fight the liberal ideas that come out and always be saying no, because everyone will say, why don't you compromise? You know, well, you, you can't compromise some things. There isn't any compromise with being self-employed. You know, you either are or you're dependent, period. Yeah, exactly. Full stop. exactly. So um, it's important, but it's a, it's a, um, it's a badge. It's a, it's a ticket to talk about. Like, I want to talk with you about where this is going. And people want to know that because nobody else is proposing anything. You can look that up. So we have this. You can go to Congress with it. And we have that. So we're getting them involved. You can go to, and there are two houses in Congress, and they go different directions and different players and different dynamics. We have probably... 20 offices in the house that would be very supportive if someone goes first, but they're all busy, going to get reelected. So nobody wants to go first, but they'd all be co-supporters. So we're still looking for a supporter. Nobody's turned us down. And we have one interested office in the Senate, very interested uh, for a a very appropriate Senator who who gets it. So it's important, but um, at the moment, Along with that, you have to fight, have to play defense or something like this House uh, Rule 7701 uh, is just terrible because it, it's, it dramatically Im- increases the penalties on business that hires freelancers or works with franchises. And we're talking from 1,000 up to over 100,000 plus Trouble damages in a cascade of destruction. And, and I was going to add to that that, you know, like, I mean, 
California is like the, I mean, the biggest watch state when something happens in the country. And I mean, did we not learn that I've put this question out there before? Did AB5 create any jobs? And literally all of my panels have ever have said none that I know of, and they are trying to find one for me. (laughs) They're like, you you can't get the, um, it's AB5 is a, is a backward looking effort. Uh, it, it, it wants to go back to a simpler day. We have project management is an industry and everything is set in, in self-employment, freelancing, gig economy, rideshare. Everything is work divided into projects. Yes. And you can say, I don't know what a project is. Well, it's a thing you do for someone else. It's a, you know, got a, a beginning, a middle and an end. It's easily definable. And when it's over, everybody agrees and you get a hurrah or a, you know, a shit and that's, excuse my language, you know, and, and that's the end of the project. You can either get better next time or stop doing them if you don't like them. Yeah. So that whole thing, uh, the, the unions are, who are the protagonist, the proponents here of, of this are just ignoring the management and efficiency and enjoyment advantage advantages of project work. They're just saying, no, we're not going to do that. That's a that's like shooting your foot, you know. Like, okay, doesn't prove anything. Yeah. Um, the they're they're ignoring that that how many people, especially the ones that that uh, continually attract my attention, are moms who cannot have two bosses. They've already they're raising one boss. You know, and how can you <laughs> take your? Oh, you got sniffles schedules, sniffle driven schedules. You can't. Yes. Uh, school's closed. You, you've got to, t- someone's going to take care of your kid. You can't leave him out on the curb and go into work and hope to find him on the way back. You know, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and, and moms know that, but people aren't thinking about that. Uh, the disabled, I spend a lot of time thinking about working with, talking with the disabled. Autism sh- hits millions of people and freelancing, independent contracting is an ideal way to accommodate yourself and find people who understand that some days you may be having a meltdown and you'll be fine in two days. Okay. I can, I can work that way. You know, I have, I have a little scenario on that one that we just had a guest on last week. Um, Ellen, who is in Henderson, Nevada, and she has two kids. She's, she raises them alone. One of them is autistic and 17 and he's, I, I'm not, I don't want to put this the incorrect way, but he's on the farther end of the spectrum too. So she was a W2 uh, teacher and they've all known about this for years about her son. And she did gig work on the weekends and on the side for, to earn that extra income on the gig apps. Um, she recently was even with all the lack of employees right now, she was recently let go because they said, there's just too many calls about your autistic son at the other school and you're having to leave. And so they let, they let her go because he was getting calls saying he has to go today. You have to come get him Right during the pandemic. They were just loving everything she did. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. And and then now it's kind of like, as we exit the pandemic, they're like, you can't be doing that. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is a form of cruelty in public policy that, that is just, it, it defies description. It defies belief that people are willing to do this to other human beings and just sit quietly by and go, yep, sure. You know, that's our national going to be our national policy. It's like, Oh, please. Yeah. There are 
So I mean, yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm with you on that. So the uh, one of the other things you were talking about, um, fighting the current efforts by this administration. Again, not this isn't political, guys. We're just talking. I mean, obviously, it you know when you say administration, we think political, but we're just talking about the rights of independent contractors where they lie, all that kind of thing. But so the F the current efforts of, uh, by this administration end freelancing and self-employment. Um, is that something that you can, uh, you want to expand on a little bit there? Yes. Um, so we talked up, I mentioned, uh, house, house rule 7701. Anybody who wants uh, to gag should take a read. Um, there are two other factors at work right now that we're working on. Um, and again, it, this is, this is the littlest little guy trying to win against the biggest big guy. So this is like a little boy, David against an army of Goliaths. And the question is, you got to choose your your strategy, right? And, and hit on the first blow. But, um, there's a woman named Jennifer Abruzzo, who is the general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board. Now, the National Labor Relations Board is set up to govern, um, use that term, the relationship in unionized relations. In other words, a factory or a plant or a trade that has a, a organized labor union between mediating between the employer and the employee. Uh, Jennifer's idea, she's very bright. She's worked a lot of time at the NLRB. Uh, so she's a lifer, except when she works for a union, the Communications Workers of America. Her idea is that this is a fine organization to manage, direct, and control all employer-employee relations, which is has no basis either in the Constitution or in law. She is made up an idea that she is going to she's going to manage all this because she believes that her way is best. Now, it's unbelievable, but that's where she's headed. So there's one. There's a woman who's very um, she just can't see the the damage that she's doing or cares nothing at all about it. So you have to figure out how can you make this visible to a lot of people in a short period of time. So just don't let them operate in the dark the way California legislature operated in the dark with AB5. Uh, that bears a great deal of strategic thought. It's just hard to do this. Getting the 60 million freelancers involved helps a lot. Yeah. The other is something that, is, uh, that fits very much with what Abruzzo is doing. Uh, I'll call her General Counsel Labruzzo to use her professional title. Uh, there was a man named David Weil. I don't think we've mentioned his name. He was the head of wage and hour division uh, for President Obama, and he took a went back to the universities for the intervening administration. And uh, his thought in he wrote a book in 2015 called "The Fissured Workplace." Yes. And uh, if I were if if he were to write the correct book, I would call it the fractal worknet because those words would accurately describe what you and I are working with. But he has basically plans to threaten all of the big brand name companies 
with a well-organized attack squad of regulators from all the different uh, agencies that affect large corporations, the SEC, uh, the Employment, uh, Retirement, and Investment Security, uh, EEOC, OSHA, DOL, and he's going to put all of them together and attack these large corporations to make them accept unionization. Look at what's happening with Starbucks and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Accept unionization, accept prevailing wage, uh, make sure they never uh, never work with another freelancer again, never, never, you know, defranchise your operations and make all of your franchisees uh, employees. Uh, and, and we're going to threaten them with absolute destruction of their stock value and the personal reputations of the people in the in the company or the people who deal with it. And it's in print. You can buy the book and see it. And it's horrifying. He did not make it into office, but he knows all the people and they're all buddies with him. So they're going to follow his template. So I call it the wild doctrine. The doctrine is one of the words that the military uses. Uh, when they they dis- describe how we're going to fight a battle, he's got a he's got his wild doctrine for how to beat the companies and unionize all of them and get rid of free franchising and freelancing and self employment forever. It's not a pretty prospect, so it does get uh, the attention of people like me. Yeah, that's uh, it's really interesting you bring that up, that uh, Fisher. Because that's one thing that Kim hit on pretty hard in our very first interview, just Kim and I, was that's, I think that's even how we started. I introduced her and then we, like within two minutes, she was already into that. That was like the big thing with her right then. She was like, listen, you you all need to know what this is. You know, you need to understand what, and so she kind of walked the bridge that way. And I, I think there was a lot, I think there was a lot to that. Like, um. You know, at first I was kind of like, well, how is this? I, I don't know. I, I'm i always like, I, I'm just stunned. Like when you say that somebody, you know, like maybe they don't understand the damage they're doing or I, I find that hard to believe in those positions. Like you have to be at least on some level, you have to understand what you're doing. You can't be so brainwashed that you're like, no, this is good for everybody to be unemployed. Steve, I struggle with that same dichotomy myself. I I can't understand how a, a simple sentient human being can ignore the widely broadcast pain that these laws have and will continue to even make even more severe on people who have done absolutely nothing wrong. They've tried to live their best lives. Let me tell you, the people who bring up autistic children are saints in the making. Those people have developed infinite patience and affection and to just do anything that gets in their way of, of their independent relationship, that the, the government has no right to get involved in that anywhere. As, as we've said, no constitutional right, no legal right, no moral right. You know, it doesn't make any sense. I guess they don't care. That, that's the right. That's that's all I can ever think of too. Or right. somebody's given some groups giving them a ton of money. Right. And they're choosing to say, I don't, I, I don't believe in it. I think it's, I don't think this is true. Right. This is, you guys are making something out of nothing kind of thing. And it's like, how right. can we be making something out of nothing when the proof is already there in California? This did not work. Well, the, the only, I, I find 
like you that it's it winds up being sort of an, an um, emotional energy dead end to try to explain their behavior. I mean, why is Putin attacking Ukraine? I mean, it's like, you know, what are you going to get? Like, like why, why? Um, so, I I just looking forward. The thing that we all together have is sixty million people, and it is an enormous mm-hmm. number. It, if you don't that's, like that's just so people know that's that's about a third of the working. Yes, it's about yeah, it's about a third of the working population. It's also more than a hundred thousand per congressional district, and that is more than the margin of victory in almost all races. So if we were congressional races, if we were to energize even a fraction of that for these people to to get to to be you know make themselves heard we will change it we we stopped the pro act yes we had help from the franchisees but we stopped the pro act trumpka promised it in march of 20 what 29 2021 it's not in law yet it's not going to be in law we made that wire too hot to handle and yeah. we can do this with this wild doctrine and a bruzo and and her excursions they're running out of time and they know it and there's there's panic on the other side that's why they're doing this and slamming this stuff together you asked about big bills it's the fastest way they can they can get their chips on the table in a hurry it's like put everything into a bill get it to the labor ed and labor you know and they'll they'll stuff it through and Pelosi gets them to vote for it. And, you know, and, and so that's the house. All of a sudden, this huge thing comes through the house and then everybody goes, yes, Senate. Okay. Over to you. And not so much, but you know, we've. So I, I got to ask you this while we're there. So, I mean, pro act was really being pushed even beginning of this year. And that's when I was telling some people like, man, you don't know how close this was yep. at the end of last year, coming into this year. I mean, really almost happened kind of thing. And, and are do you think people are fighting for that hard now before the November elections, or do you think they're backing off going, listen, we, we can't keep sticking our neck out on this right now. We're already losing seats left and right. We, we can't keep fighting for this dumb law to have every 60 million Americans be unemployed. Are you speaking as a house, for instance? Anybody that might be up for re-election this November. Which is a lot. I think, what do I think? I believe that most of the Democratic caucus understands that they're up against some very, very hard electoral times. Now, there are those with famous names. Uh, Pelosi's going to get reelected. I mean, they're not going to turn her out in San Francisco. I I know I have a close friend who's a Pelosi voter. I mean, this is... That's going down. Just FYI, though, that's amazing to me that she would get reelected, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I would think that I don't care who you are. I would think you've seen through it by now. I, I think personally think that she might win, announce her resignation and gift an open seat for appointment to Governor Newsom, you know, who in his either his waning days or the just before his next term will fill it with someone just like nancy pelosi so right i think they know they're on hard times i think some of them have been you know have been assuaged with money that is flowing right now to these campaigns all of that can be looked up 
I think there's going to be a lot of promises. I think people are kind of hoping. I think a lot of them know they're just they're sacrificial lambs, and this is their um, this is their they've got to they've got to be polite and take their loss because you know they had a nice run in Congress. They got a tiny pension and go back to the private sector. Yeah. Um, so the third thing that you had was new jobs, continue working to energize the self-employed and freelancers. Um, freelancers have been engaged, uh, since Cal AB five was passed in 2019 and went into effect in January of 2020. Um, the unions are hoping to wait us out. Where's, where's all this going? Because at this point I feel like, I mean, even gigging gig, employees who do it full-time on the platforms delivering food rideshare off-brand stuff like shipped or curry or any of these last mile services the, even they have an understanding if they live in california you know i know people who love prop 22 because they don't understand it and they're just benefiting from it for a, a, a minute kind of thing but i know a lot of gig workers who didn't know anything about it who hate prop 22 even though it could benefit them they're like we know what this is doing I mean, we, we understand that this is, you know, I mean, like the word, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, I mean, if these companies can't make money and if you're having to pay every active hour to gig employee platform, people, 120% of minimum wage on the base pain, not including tips. I mean, they're just going to be active on the apps and do deliveries slowly. You most likely can't do more than two in an hour. And let's take San Francisco. The minimum wage in San Francisco is like $19 and 86 cents or something. Um, but let's take San Francisco. So you have to be paying 120%. That's 20, we'll call it $24. Well, DoorDash has a base price of $3 an order. You can only do two an hour on an active hour. So $6 is what DoorDash is going to pay you. But in San Francisco, they're going to owe you another Prop 22, $18. And and people are collecting this on the delivery side, on the rideshare side, which is what it should have helped, if anything. People, nobody's getting Prop 22 money because an active hour is going to make you at 24 or over. Uh, if if the uh, two ways, two thoughts at the same time, it may be that for the uh, delivery and rideshare platforms real employees are an intermediate step to robo driving. Right. And it may be that it's gotten held up. That Phoenix accident was just nuts. Uh, it's a horrible tragedy for the individual and a major setback for these, you know, the investor plan, you know, the investors plan for what, what I think they're going to. I follow autonomous very deeply. I report right. on it all the time. The real, the realistic line of autonomous is so far out that it's, Right. I mean, I've I've talked to I, I have an interview coming up with one of the engineers at Bolt uh, Autonomous Engineering, and he he said a realist he said real I said realistically when can when is a car going to drive to my house without a driver? Pull up, I go get in it, throw my luggage in the back, takes me to the airport, and then knows how to go to the next driver to the next passenger because I've already seen too many flaws, and I know that the lidar doesn't work in snow and what there's all these issues, and yet they're on the road. But he was like. Well, he's like, you know, I don't even know if you'd see full by 2050, 2060. Right. 
No, I, I think most people in, in articles you see next year, full autonomous. I mean, I, we saw an ad from the Ionic five saying that they are full autonomous starting in 2023. And I started thinking back years to like the time when false advertising was a thing that people prosecuted for Yes, <laughs> before the internet false advertising was real. <laughs> I think when many of the big money investors got into the platform companies, I think the, the prospects looked much more rosy and I think they could, they could handle, you put in 20 million, you know, you're a pension fund in a medium sized state. You can afford to wait, you know, it's Uber. They've got tons. Um, I think people are much more sober now. That's why, you know, valuations are changing. I, uh, I, I, I don't know if, if 600,000, 2 million, pick a number. If 2 million people can't do rideshare, they're They'll do something else. Uh, if, even if rideshare is not, is not prohibited and is prohibited and the others aren't by economics, they'll, they'll do something different. They'll paint fences or whatever, you know, I mean, the people are, people are very creative. So, uh, but if there's no, if there's no self-employment option, the world becomes a much darker place for anyone in a rural area anyone with a compromised schedule or compromised ability to deliver work every day is going to be at great risk. These people created 60 million jobs. Or the need for flexibility. Right. That's huge. That's huge amongst gig workers. I mean, and and you're, you're a boss and you think if I'm a boss, like I was a boss for 20 years, like I got to get work. I I make a promise to deliver work. So, how many people do I have to hire to do the job of three people? You know, right. I don't know they're going to be there. Like I have to, what, do I have to hire six? You know, what if they all show up? Where's the money going to come for that? I mean, these are unanswerable questions. Right. So I think the other side says that employers are oblivious. They're careless. and No, they're working. Employers are working a very complicated uh, mathematical al- algorithm of, of how they get something done and what are their chances of actually doing what they project. So I, I it's, it's a, it's a bright new day. If you permit self-employment, everything, everything works great for everybody, but the unions would be left out of the membership fees and, and the pensions to wallow in. So, so that's where I wanted to jump back on that third point a little bit, because on your third point, and as I had asked you, like, do you think that this summer thing, something will happen before the election? Because I feel like they've just stuck their neck out too far and been hung on this so many times. But you had put in our conversation that the unions are hoping to wait us out and change the laws against us this summer before the election while we're not looking, which is how AB5 happened to those that don't know. I was just like, nobody was looking. They, there it was. What's AB5? It's your new law. Live with it, you know, but. I mean, do you see this? Do you do you see this happening? Do you see the the unions? When I read like, doing well, anything I, this summer, that's going to be notable. Well, I I, I got a copy here of seventy seven oh one, and you know, got up close and personal with it, and I said, well, this is this is a major part of the enforcement platform is right here. You know, these enormous. Uh, what they're trying to do is poison the buyer pool. And, and sh- give them shock treatment, like 100,000, and get them to back away. If the, if the buyer backs away, and they prove this in Massachusetts, you can reduce the amount of independent contracting. 
Massachusetts has a lower than average um, rate of entrepreneurship. Crazy. This is the best educated state in the country. And we have we have much below some uh, states that you wouldn't characterize. I don't want to no slurs, but you wouldn't characterize as being highly entrepreneurial driven. And so there's got to be a suppression mechanism and and not having buyers for independent contracting is certainly in a state like Massachusetts as good as it gets as an as, as a reason. So but yes, I, I I I expect this is part of the summer surprise seventy seven oh one. There may be others. They're you don't running. think you don't think that this just? I mean, first of all, let's be honest. The unions have been dying for years. I mean, union membership dues. I mean, all this. It's it's a downward trend. So obviously, they're looking for these ways to come back. Do you think anybody's in like looking for pre November election stuff? They're looking for oh, you're with the unions. Sweet. Or do you think they're like, wait a minute, you're with the unions? I was actually thinking about listening to you. Now I don't want to. Are you talking about legislators? And how legis- Voters and yeah, how it's being produced, every, the whole thing. I mean, like how it's coming across to people. Because I know that you and I were talking about there's the time and place for a union. Yes. Not in a lot of these spaces, but it's, I mean, how do how, most people you say union, they're just like, no, 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 no. And you, it's almost like you don't even need to go any farther. The, it's an interesting point. The unions might adapt. Um, if I were, we talked much earlier about, you, you know, youth attitudes towards unions. If unions were competitive and they were, they were not protected by a mandate to there can only be one, and they get the uh, exclusive representation grant. It's like a franchise that the unions get. If they were free market, I, it's probably the next business I would set up would be an employee's union. It's so great because you could work with the best employees you know, so everybody wants to be a good employee. You could work with your employer to, to see how can we take the people that we've got and make them even more productive and have them enjoy it more and you make more money. And it would be, and there are so many ways to improve a business. And I've, I've had one for well longer than I care to admit. And having, having a late workforce that's on your side, not against you, every single cup or drinking container or, you know, message from headquarters is a great opportunity. So if we had competitive unions, we'd have three times, four times as many unions as we have, all probably different than the unions that we do have now. So think about that. But um, So that there's opportunity out there. If you go after exclusive representation, there's another there's another line of attack uh, that, that the other side is vulnerable. They've got a grant and they, there's no reason. Nobody in the country voted for that. It happened. So, right. 60 million people, you can do a lot if you talk to them. So actually, so that goes to, uh, um, let me just make sure that I, um, oh, we talked about the First Amendment challenge. Okay, so this this goes to, okay, if you had, let me, I always try and like kind of make uh, um, coming out of these a, a little bit more of a, of a tougher question, but not so tough that it's tough. I I just like, if you had the attention of all 60 million 
independent contractors in this country. I would say everybody, but let's just say the all 60 million independent contractors. And they were all watching a video and you had it for two to three minutes. What would you say in those two to three minutes? I would say meet as many other independent contractors, freelancers, drivers as you possibly can. And with them, get together and talk to your state and federal representatives and tell them you're coming to the ballot box and you want their full attention on your future. You want to be your own boss. Change that rule. Everything will be fine. Okay. So in that, that in that lies a little bit of a, uh, an issue I deal with a lot with people's emails or questions or whatnot. Is it, you know, I get a lot of, is it really worth it? How do I go down and do something? How do, how do I get in touch with my, cause we've had Kim on here saying, you need to go get in touch with your legislation. You need to okay. do this, but how, how do you make those people not feel so scared about doing that? Because sure. some people I think feel like an army of one when they go in, <clears throat> but yes. the way I view it is like, you're, they don't, when you go into one of these offices or you want to go talk to a congressman or whatever you're doing, they don't know how, even, I mean, they can't just look at you or whatever they need. They don't know what you represent. Yes. So they have to take you extremely seriously. Right. I worked for the New York state Senate and uh, for one year way back when, and the, the term is you get waltzed if you go in personally. Yes, yes. Gosh, Steve, that's great. I know I know just what you mean. I'm going to back that all the way. Th- send me whatever you've got and I'll, I'll back it. Thank you very much. Do you want to see the chamber? Bye. Okay. That's waltzing. That's that's a state legislature at its worst. They There's a, there's a FUD factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. They don't actually read what you send. As, as anybody who's read written something careful and they get thanked for the other saying they're on the other side, they weigh them. And if there are lots and lots of people on this one issue, they are going to handle it like the best China. They, they know what their, their margin was. And if they even heard from, if they heard from a thousand people that would end it, it does, you don't need to get all your friends, just some of them, you know, in your neighborhood whatever in your occupation the uh, occupations are well organized and you need to push your occupational representation group it's the ophthalmic surgeons or the you know the hairstylists of uh, buffalo new york or whatever pick up you know pick a name get them to work with you and then just call email call the office google who represents uh, mike ruby in in um, you know cleveland tennessee and you'll get the state and the federal office holders. They call their office 24 hours a day. They record them and they tabulate them. I'm, you know, Mike Ruby, and I think we should be have the right to be self-employed. And I just want you to know, phone number, here's, here's where I live. I'm in your district. Bingo. Okay. But that's, yeah, still, I mean, a lot of people like, I mean, okay, outside of the emails, whatever, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm just, you know, it's, it, it almost be, I don't want to compare it to the unions, but I almost feel like, you know, just like these protest chant type things aren't the win either. No, I don't, I don't think they are. They, the, the last thing they want is to hear someone totally dead serious. So I've got 45 barbers, you know, 
in in East Albany, wherever they are, uh, Albany, Georgia, and we're voting against anyone who votes for something or other. Say a fact, and then and then tell your people you're you're gonna you know live with it, make it happen. Uh, this many people with this much of a problem bends gravity, Steve, and we have to help people understand it. We're a geologic event. If 60 million people jump off a chair all at the same time, it you'll, it'll register on the Richter scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, do something, do something more impressive than creating a very small earthquake and make something happen. I, I, I you hate to sound Pollyannish, but people pay attention to who they hear from. And I mean, if but if people really pay attention, then pay attention to California. AB5 put, again, people who I know who are in business for themselves for 40 years, let's right. say, had earned six figures, had a nice life. I mean, like you said, they can't even bounce back from it. I'll use Lisa Rothstein for a minute. She said that, you know, everybody put it in their own way, but I liked her way. She said that the day AB5 hit, I became so toxic to every client that I've worked with that they weren't even calling me. And when I would call them, they said, I know we've been working with you for 25 years, Lisa, but, and she's like, well, but you still can. And here's how they were like, listen, we don't really understand it. And I understand what you're saying, but we just can't afford to take that chance. That's the, the buyer suppression is a major backup tool to legislation. And if you show that you are not suppressed, that you are in, if in fact you are inflamed, you are a different substance than they were expecting to work with. We we haven't reached our peak yet of of clout. We we need to. That's why we wrote the legislation. Here's what I'm for. Tell me you're going to vote for it. We got 60 people. We're going to watch for it. And if not, we are going to we're going to take every legitimate means we can to make sure you go back to some other occupation like we've had to do. Yeah. But then again, in California, they cast the net. Everybody went out of business. Everybody's businesses are upside down. They're all just trying to figure anything out at this point. And still to this day, how many jobs were created by AB5? Zero, as far as I've been told by everybody. We're one mansion, one Kelly, and one cinema away from having that already happen in the U.S. (laughs) Okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it scared the crap out of me when I saw the Pro Act getting as close as it did, and I started getting closer and closer to the what the Pro Act truly was, and I... um, you know, I know that you guys have a huge fight coming up on your hands in Massachusetts. A tremendous I mean, money throwing contest. Yeah, I mean it. It's odd to me. It's like I, I think I saw that Lyft threw in money before the other companies this time in Massachusetts, and this time it's in prep though. It's not like the law is already done, right? It's it's right. more in prep to let's right. get a jump on the law. Yeah, on what they're going to do. Right. Exactly. So, but I mean, it's going to be the same type of thing. Let's go throw $200 million around Massachusetts. Who even knows where it's going? Right. You know, it's. I mean, it's anyway. So we, I wish we were paying more attention to it, but what, what, what the individual has actually more opportunity to act nationally. Crazy as it sounds that in some of these blue States. Yeah. I've lived here for God, a long time. Yeah many administrations in Massachusetts. Uh, anyway, uh, people, so, 
people can they can follow me on Twitter and get the latest. <laughs> yeah, latest absolutely. And I I will include any links he gives me, but I'll absolutely put his Twitter account because if you guys are on Twitter like I am, he he's definitely an account to watch. He he posts a lot of stuff, just like Kim, who I've recommended. <laughs> those are those are uh, those are some those are some posts to watch though. A lot of the stuff on Twitter isn't really that newsworthy or whatever, but. At, uh, at sign venture v-e-n-t-u-r-e mike uh the number one and the uh at new jobs america is another one one side gets the personal one side gets the business but yeah i mean anything that you send me after we're done here i'll put into the show notes too and into okay. the pot into the audio podcast notes as well so that people can see it so before we shut it down here today, what is what's your last word of advice to we've got 17 people watching right now. It's gone up to as high as 22 during this. So we probably had about 70, 80 people watch this throughout for portions at least. So what is what is your last word? And then people will watch the replay and listen to the podcast. So what's your last word out there to the people who want to be independent contractors who or, you know, who are, who are unsure about any of the, just whatever your last words are to the, to the population. I would say, remember that independent contracting is completely legitimate in the modern era. It was invented by Mozart and per, perfected by Beethoven. Mozart left the, the, uh, Prince Esterhazy or whatever his name was, he wanted to write his music and he sensed a market for it. He sensed pretty well because a lot of people are still in love with Mozart. Beethoven said, oh, but that's not all you have to do. You have to do, you have to, you know, get on with the new instrument, which was the piano. You have to write pieces. You have to sell paper. You have to do a bunch of things, but you can make a wonderful living, you know, in being an independent contractor, being self-employed. So if Mozart did it and Beethoven did it, it's legitimate for everyone. Be proud, be loud, go for it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, with that, um, I think that uh, we will wrap it up. I want to thank everybody for joining us. And I really want to thank uh, Mike for taking the time out of his day and joining us as well. Again, I'll put, I'll, I'll even put the links to any websites, everything that he, that he'll send me, after we're done here, I'll have them up within minutes into the show notes here. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for joining us, Mike. If you can wait, wait yes. one second, everybody have a great day and we will be talking to you probably tomorrow night with Lou and Mary on the live. Excellent.